Greetings. You've reached Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, operating in the shadow of LAX. Leave a message and someone will call you back. Sports Stories with Dennis Lennon. I'm not really a sporting man myself. Oh, yes, I I did catch a swordfish or two with Babe Hemingway back in the salad days. But I don't enjoy seeing these youngsters today strutting around with diamonds in their teeth and arms covered in tattoos, throwing simoleons around like Louis B. at a Tijuana donkey show. No, no, not not for me. But but I do enjoy a good story, Dennis. I, I know a few myself, like the one about Milton Burrow winning a contest. We were in a locker room at... Do you remember where you were when? It's a question we ask one another about the biggest events in our lives. For baseball fans, and in particular... For those old enough to remember the 1988 World Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Oakland Athletics, the question of where were you when Kurt Gibson hit the home run either brings you great joy or tremendous misery. There are many remarkable facts that surround what is perhaps the best all-time walk-off home run, one that has been voted as the top Los Angeles sports moment ever. Here are just three that stick out to me. First, the home run happened in Game 1, There was still a best-of-seven series to finish, but that shot into the right field bleachers was such a tremendous blow that it carried the Dodgers to the World Series title in five games. Second, it was the only at-bat that Kirk Gibson took in the entire series. The way we talk about the 88 team in that championship, you'd think Gibby won the World Series' most valuable player. He did not. Oral Hershiser, or as Tommy Lasorda liked to call him, Bulldog, won the series MVP award. And third, That tremendous moment culminated only after the Dodgers found a way to climb back into the game after the A's took a 4-2 lead. It was a Dodger pitcher who had reinvented himself throughout the 1988 season that faced 13 batters in Game 1 without giving up a run. That pitcher's name might be lost in the aftermath of Gibson's dramatic fist-pumping trot around the bases while the finest announcer in baseball history, Vin Scully, let the crowd roar and finally sang out. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. So now the question pivots from do you remember where you were when Gibby hit the home run to do you remember the pitcher that threw three scoreless innings to set up the greatest walk-off in Dodger history? I do. Tim Leary. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians, and welcome to audio, video, podcast number 79 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, our World Series special with our guest Tim Leary, pitcher from the 88 champion Los Angeles Dodgers, whose performance in Game 1 of the series set up the dramatic Kirk Gibson walk-off home run. 
Christine Jimbo is producing from the Buck Studio, and Marley Rice is putting it together at Studio 51. Let me tell you where I was when Kirk Gibson hit the homer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in the in the locker room watching on TV because I had pitched earlier in the game. Yeah. And I had uh, – I just had my – mid-length underwear and shower shoes on and boom he hit the homer I had to go put my pants and jersey on and hat and run out on the field awesome <laughs> and then we came back in the clubhouse and i swear nobody sat down for probably an hour and a half it was the most incredible victory buzz ever oh man and just Tim, when, right through the you know the next four games Tim, when you were when you were in the uh locker room i mean could you just hear the noise outside is it pretty loud you know what? We I, when we're no because it was so loud in the locker room. That's all we could hear was each other. It was just Thank echoing. You. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he was up in there where where he's taking some reps, or before he was taking a few reps off that batting tee that's below near the dugout. Apparently, he he was watching the broadcast, and you know Vince Scully had said something to the lines of like, "He he won't be there tonight." Yeah, I as it happened so. I was living at, at Sunset Boulevard in the PCH in the Pacific Palisades at the time. And Kirk Gibson rented a house in Santa Monica from a guy who I went to junior high school with uh, one block north of Wilshire on Berkeley. So I would pick him up every home game and take him to the games. So we became, you know, pretty close. And he is the biggest gamer of all gamers. You know, not only did he have a football mentality, but he was 6'3", 215 pounds. He ran a 4'3", 540, just a <laughs> specimen. And that's the kind of guy where if you're the manager, you don't really have to do that much when you have a guy like that. Yeah. And Lasorda was probably the greatest motivator in the history of the world. So having Lasorda and Gibson just made Socha, Hatcher, Hershiser, Sachs, all that much more better as far as team leaders. You know, something really um, interesting about that game wasn't only that part of it, but when you go back and you watch it, I mean, the fact of the matter is it doesn't happen if you don't hold down those three innings. And and so when, when they got out to that, whether well, it was like four to two, they got out, and this is game one. For those, you know, who aren't, don't know about the biggest game in the history of L.A., but it was it was four to two at that point, you know, game one of the 88 World Series, and, and you had been kind of repositioned from being a starter to a reliever in the postseason. And so now you got to come in, but I think you had to warm up really quick or something, didn't you? Well, I knew I was going to be in relief, and I knew I would either come in very early, like before the fifth inning if needed, or in extra innings because we had other relievers that were, you know, probably going to pitch if it was the fifth inning on, up or down. So I prepared as a starter. Uh, and I walked when I was walking. There's a runway underneath the left field stands in Dodger Stadium where you can walk from the clubhouse into the bullpen. As soon as I opened the door to the bullpen, the first inning had already started and the phone was ringing. I was up, so I had I had no time to get nervous or anything. I just started throwing as fast as I could, and then he got out of that jam and I continued to warm up, and then I sat down before the second inning started and then when the second inning when they came up and the A's came up in the bottom top of the second inning uh Tim Belcher who was our starting pitcher 
they got on base and stuff started happening again. Boom, the phone rang. I was back up. And Canseco <laughs> hit that line shot grand slam off the camera and just left the center field. But they left Belcher in to finish the inning, and he got out of the inning with no more runs. And so I I, I was ready. Uh, but the I had pitched 400 innings in the previous 12 months between Mexican League, spring training, 238 innings in the 88 season. That's a lot of work. And somewhere in mid-September, I lost my mechanics a little bit. So I really didn't have command of my secondary pitches. So I pretty much threw 90% fastballs in that outing and in game three, just trying to keep the ball down or in, get ground balls, and it worked out. Because yeah, I mean, in the 80s, you, you, they didn't pitch like they do now, where it's strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. It was ground ball, ground ball, strikeout. And you had, um, Alfred, was it Alfredo Griffin? He was picking them a little bit. Yeah, we had a great defense. I mean, the team gets overlooked as as a not a very good team who happened to win the World Series. That's wrong. That was an incredible team because pitching and defense yeah. is what wins championships. What, what was Tommy started thinking about starting a teenager? What was he, like, Belcher, like 13, 14 years old when he started that game? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Belcher was a rookie, but he was probably 25 years old. And I'm sure he was very nervous. <laughs> he but did. then he came back in game four and pitched into the, seventh, into the eighth inning and did very well. Or seventh or eighth inning. Yeah, we, we just had – that was a great team. It's not often you get to be on a team like that 88 team. And, um, you know, I, I value what you said because pitching and defense are so important. And also, I always felt because at the same time I was like coaching, I think, JV baseball or something in high school. But I was able to recognize I felt like you just out the, the A's were out coached in that series. Yeah. Well, when you win everything, you, you outdo everything. But yeah. with the fact of the matter was they just didn't score runs. And so we didn't have to score eight or ten runs. You know, if we scored three or four and held them to two or three, boom, we win. Like that game, we won five-four. Plus, if you win game, if we win game one, we've got Hershiser for game two and game five. A guy who pitched about a hundred innings with maybe three earned runs. It was the most incredible stretch of pitching probably since 1968. Yeah, it was. I think Coral should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, that season you had more strikeouts than he did. Yeah. Wow. Well, I had a pretty good split going that year. <laughs> is that <laughs> that was your that was the go-to your splitter? Because is that what you developed in the uh, Mexican leagues? Because I don't know if everybody knows this, but I think what's in between '87 and '88, you were driving from Santa Monica to Tijuana, like to go pitch some innings, and then you'd come back or something. Well, and not only that, I was taking 16 units at UCLA in the <laughs> fall quarter, so I had four classes. So <laughs> I worked the deal out with the owner of the Tijuana team that I would just pitch and then not come for the games I didn't pitch except for a couple of road trips. So I was driving 163 miles one way. I'd leave at two o'clock, get there at five, uh, drink some Folgers, you know, instant coffee, pitch nine innings, put ice on my shoulder, drive home and get up and go to school. Wow. Wow. And uh, I needed the innings. I needed to get my arm stronger. I needed to perfect the split better, and it all worked out. I mean, it's a testament to hard work. Yeah, I'll say. 
It sounds like our, our, our coach from uh, Ohio with the 212 philosophy. It's, it's brilliant. So when you were, um, you went to Santa Monica High School, go Vikings. That's right. You, you put up a, what did it say, a 10 and 2 record, a 1976 All CIF selection. Yep. Yep. I did my homework. We played the, our American Legion team. This, this yeah. hat's from that. We won the national championship over that summer. Oh, that was incredible. That was, was that the summer after your senior year? Yes. Where where was it hosted? I think do you start in regions and then you move to another city or something? Yeah. Well, we we won the area, so we went up to Na Yountville in Napa Valley and played the state tournament. We won that. Went out to uh, Salt Lake City area. Won the regionals, and then the World Series was in Manchester, New Hampshire. So good. And we uh, we beat a team from New Orleans game one, and then we I lost what would have been the winning game of the whole thing against Des Plaines, Illinois. And then our our other pitcher who had pitched a no hitter, a 10 inning no hitter earlier in the world series, won the final game, Richard Schroeder. That led, um, so from, from American Legion, so you win the American Legion championship and that led you to, to being selected, I think for like the U.S. amateur team or the Pan Am games or something along these lines. Well, so that was, and then that fall, like that was Labor Day weekend and, um, within three weeks, school started. Then we had fall baseball at UCLA. Then I played at UCLA 77, 78. And the summer of 78, I was playing for uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, a college summer team, and I did very well. And so they selected the Team USA, mostly from the Alaska League, and then some guys from Texas A&M who went to Italy and played in the World Cup. We came in second place in that. And then in 79, I was on Team USA again. Wow. Uh, we, we, in the Pan Am games. And then right after that, I signed pro with the Mets. When you were, um, you know, a little youngster coming up in Santa Monica in the Little Leagues and then going to Samuel High, did you um, did you have this as a dream? Did it, did it cross your mind that this, this might happen? These, these no. I mean, I always just get to the next level. There were so many great athletes. I mean, you know, you were you're about my age. The athletes were everywhere. I mean, there were families of four, five, eight, ten, eleven, twelve kids everywhere, and uh, so we were always playing against older kids who were great. We had seven guys drafted by the pros off of that one Santa Monica American Legion team. Think wow. about it. Wow, that just doesn't happen. That's astounding. There were no private schools other than the Catholic schools. So, every, you know, and there were only two divisions in CIF, large school, small school. So right. San Ohio or St. Monica's. No doubt. Uh, 1978, I was the uh, backup uh, choice for athlete of the year at St. Mark's schools, Tim. That boy. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be interviewing you. <laughs> yes. You know, that's what I'm working for. Um, so, how did you, how did that journey to the Dodgers? How did how did you get there? Because I know you were in a few franchises before then, and that would and then and then did you come from the Reds to there? Well, no, I uh, so I was drafted by the Mets after my junior year in college, June of 1979. Signed with them, did well in Double A in 1980. Uh, 81, I had a great spring, made the majors, and my first start, I hurt my my arm. I tore this muscle in my forearm. Anyway, a litany of issues happened over two years. And 
long story, not so long. After the 84 season, I got traded from the Mets to the Brewers. Oh, okay. I was with the Brewers for 1985, 86 in the American League. And then I got traded along with Tim Cruz, who was in AAA with the Brewers at the time, a pitcher, to the Dodgers for Greg Brock. Because they, oh, wanted, they wow. wanted a left-handed hitting first baseman to replace Cecil Cooper. Right. And then in 87, I in spring training, I just wasn't throwing as hard as I had been. And I I really didn't pitch. I pitched poorly the whole year. That's why I needed to go to Mexico. Or I needed to go somewhere. And, and Mexico was the best option because it was close. And my wife was pregnant with our first child. So Not the first uh, guy that went to Mexico and their wife was pregnant. Well, and so I mean, at first when I got traded to the Dodgers in December of '86, I, I finished the '86 year as the number two starting pitcher with the Brewers, and thought I was all set to be with them. And then I got traded, and it was sort of like I should have been super happy, but I was a little bit conflicted at first. But then once I started going to the work winter workouts at Dodger Stadium in January, it, it sort of hit me like, wow, I'm with the Dodgers. When you were with the uh, Brewers, was Bob Euchre calling the games then? Yeah, yeah, he's a hoot. And then uh, it, it was a, it was a, probably a, it's a fun environment. Every time I've been to a ball game in Milwaukee, I always like that crowd. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was, you know, people are nice. The fans are great. I played with Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, Ted Simmons was there in '85. Raleigh Fingers was there in '85. Oh wow! Cecil Cooper. It's a lot of veterans. You um, you won the Silver Slugger Award one year, which for those who don't know, that's the top uh, that's the top performing pitcher as a hitter. Yeah, 1988. 1988. Do you have that sitting around anywhere? That bat? Yeah, I do. When you take a break, I'll uh, get it. Sick. <laughs> I know. I like it. I like it. Although I do have this. I got Comeback Player of the Year also. Oh, that's right. Because my 87 was so poor, so I'm pretty proud of this. Heck, yeah. Especially on that <laughs> on that great team. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you grab that, and um, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we're going to bring somebody in that you might know as you go grab that. Oh, it's arriving as we speak. Oh, there it is. Look at that. That's intense. That's a hard award to win because you got to be the top hitting at your position to get a Silver Slugger award. Yeah, I'm proud of that because, I, I mean, everyone I know grew up to play baseball to hit. Yeah. Right. There were only two of us that pitched on our teams out of 12. It's not like now we're 10 kids out of 12 pitch. So uh, before the league finds out you're a good hitter, you get more fastballs early in the count. So that was my strategy. Hit the first fastball that was a strike. Nice. nice. After that, I didn't hit so well after 1988. I got a lot of breaking balls. And yeah. Back then, it was before they had the strike zone square that they have now. So if a pitcher was batting and got two strikes, if it were six inches outside, they would just ring you up. So you had to swing early in the count. They're getting you out of there. Tim, one of the things I know about you um, and doing the research is you're very, very generous. You're not only generous with your time and helping youngsters, but when you're a player, you would leave tickets for friends and family. And um, so my, uh, I got somebody who you left a game one of the 88 World Series ticket from. And uh, that's the ticket we've been showing on those graphics. And we want to bring them in right now. Let's see if we got them. We're going to shoot down to Carlsbad. And that's my oldest hey. brother, Bobby. Hey. Tim. How, How are you doing? doing? 
Where? Let me see where that is. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Tim. That was a great, a great game to be at. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Eileen was there, Colleen, uh, Dennis, all of, everybody. You know, it was just a, it was a wonderful memory. And I thank you for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, you're welcome. I was, I was happy to do it. I, I must, I think I, I uh, had 50 people with tickets that game. Yeah. Hey, hey Bob, you were, you were on the left field. You're in the left field side of the, of the I was. stadium. I was. Were you was all? In, go were ahead. You all, were you also in your underwear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you I wasn't, Denny, but thanks for asking. I, I know you're interested in that, but uh, we'll, let's go right by that. Was, uh, you, you were, your maybe, seats were near the foul pole, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, we were in the left field. Loge, left field. Yeah, it was, it was it was just so so much fun to watch that game. I we really had a blast. I think um, about it. Thirty two years later, they're still waiting for that kind of excitement. I, no yeah. kidding. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. I went to the Nationals Dodgers game last year, the first game they played in the, and the Dodgers won, and then boom, the Nationals ended up winning the whole thing based on their pitching and defense, yeah. timely hitting, same formula. Yeah. Say, Tim, do you remember this? This is uh, actually it's 30 years ago this month. It was in April. And I, I found this in my box of memorabilia. Do you remember this one? Let me see if you can get it up there. Is that a Yankees? Yankees. It was in the snow. You were pitching in oh, the yeah. snow. Do you remember that? I, yeah. I was the opening day starter for the Yankees in, in 1990 in Cleveland. And it got snowed out in the third inning. And then yeah. five days later, I pitched a night game in Detroit, 14 degrees. I went nine innings. Damn. I just jammed everybody. They were screaming at me. They hated me. <laughs> how do you grip the ball when it's that cold? Well, how do you, you know, the biggest thing is, you, you A, you got to be, you got to wear all the right stuff. At least I did. Long sleeves and long underwear and all that. And then warm up properly. I liked pitching in the cold once I learned how because the hitters hate it. And in between innings, you can go in and warm up. And I never had problems gripping the ball. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't an issue. Uh, okay. I, I, have dry, I don't sweat a lot anyway. So if, if I needed anything, I would use the rosin. Got it. Uh, so, put that picture back up? So Denny, Denny, you were talking about trophies. Uh, what do you got? 1987 best defense. Thank you. Uh, it's not easy to pull a trophy out of the backyard like that. You got to give them props there, Tim. Had it for years. It's the only trophy I ever got. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy yeah. about that. That's good, you know. That's why we're bringing it back around. Um, so that's Bobby's ticket right there. Uh, the one of the two pitchers, 54. Hey, um, so that might, Bobby, do you recognize who the kid is? Uh, the, the kid guy. is my grandson, Gavin, Gavin Thompson. Yeah, that, uh, I need to see him pitch when we no, all get he, through with all this. He's, he's actually in American Legion now, Tim. And he's, what, he's uh, a, what what grade is he in? Oh, ninth, I think. I, I, High ninth. school. Let's, <laughs> let's break it down, Tim. Uh, let's break it down on the release right here. Did you like the high kick? Yeah, looks great. The toe down, good balance, great number. <laughs> number yeah. fifty-four. 
how did you come across that number? Well, that's that's a good question. So in 88, 87, the Dodgers gave me number 23. And I didn't have a good year, terrible year. And then when Gibson signed, they he asked the publicity people or whoever to ask me if he could have the number because that had been his number in the majors, in college, everything. I said, yeah, no problem. So then they just assigned me number 54 and I had a great year. So I kept that number the rest of my career. Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by Christine Jinbo and me, Marley Rice. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. You can find us on audio platforms everywhere and the High School Narrative iOS app. You can also view Denny's shows on Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Make sure to press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. Hey, you know what else would help us grow the show? Hustle on over to patreon.com slash Denny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all our social media links, hustle on over to sportstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. The My Stuff Bags Foundation, with the help of thousands of people across the country, provides children in unfortunate situations with new belongings and new hope through its innovative My Stuff Bags program. Heroes Movement is a nonprofit that bridges the gap from therapy to getting strong again through small group workouts for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces for free. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We want to give a big thank you to our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Sports Stories thanks all of our followers and listeners. And we will, we will see, see you, you next, next time. time. Hey, thanks, Marley. Thanks, Chris. Boom, 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 boom. Pretty woman, come walk with me, pretty woman. I'd like to see you at three, pretty woman. Well, can't believe you could be mine. I want to watch you all the time. But wait. What do I see? She's watching Sports Stories. Mercy. Sports Stories. Kick it out, book. <laughs>